a, a few weeks ago, my, my, one of my sons and I were out in Texas, and um, we were uh, having a few appointments. We had just driven all the way from Birmingham to Dallas. We were tired. We got up. We had an appointment early the next morning, and we figured out we had just a few minutes for breakfast. So, you know, what are you going to do when you have a few minutes? We're going to ditch it into McDonald's. We get out of the parking lot, you know, got out of the car kind of in a hurry, trying to find, you know, uh, a quick breakfast. And so we're sort of, sort of in a hurry. Never been to that McDonald's, never been to that uh, city in our life, and we're kind of rushing in, you know. And we go in, and we're in a hurry, you know, we go up to the counter, and we look at the guy, and we're like, hey, you know, we'd like this and this. And the guy looks like the last place on earth he wants to be is McDonald's. You know, I mean, I mean you know, boy, that's, that's what you want to see when you're in a hurry, right, you know. He's just there, and, and uh, we're like, hey, uh, do you guys have this? And, and like he was mumbling so low, I, I couldn't even hardly hear him. Like I was thinking, man, this guy, I'm not sure this is even going to work. I'm not sure we're going to have a transaction here because I can't get anything out of the guy. You know, he's just like, well, <laughs> And so I kind of lean over and look at him and say, hey, do you, do you guys have, you know, this thing right here? And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, like when you're in a half sleep, and you've been hearing something for a while, and it's been bothering you, but you just, you just realized it. And when you realized it, you realized, hey, that's been going on for a while, but I just now, like an alarm. I noticed that they had this music playing in McDonald's, and I thought, man, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble hearing this guy like it, normally. But with this music on like this, why did he have this music playing this loud like this in McDonald's? Like, I can't even hear the guy. And so I'm trying to talk to him, and, this, and I thought, if they just turned the music down, I could hear him better. And, and all of a sudden, it dawns on me, what are they playing in McDonald's? It's like opera. It's like, oh, and I'm thinking, what McDonald's are we in? What part of town are we in, man? I've never been in a McDonald's like this. It's just roaring, this, you know, opera and all this is going on. And I'm thinking, my goodness. And so finally, we get the, the order put in, and I'm thinking, wow, this is something. And I walk away. And as I walk away, we're looking for a seat. We kind of go here, then we go here. And no matter where I walk in the restaurant, I go, my goodness, this is the great, like I'm not a tech guy, but I thought, this is the greatest sound system I've ever heard. Because wherever I go, you know, like when you go from one speaker area to another, there's a little drop between them, you know? And I'm walking, it doesn't drop off at all. It's seamless. They should have this in Best Buy. This is incredible. How do they have a sound system like this? And so we sat down to wait on our breakfast, and my son and I are sitting there, and he goes, why do you think they're playing opera music? I don't have no idea. It's the craziest thing. And then I pulled my phone out. <laughs> and I had it turned face in on my leg, and it had opened Pandora. <laughs> and somehow, because I don't ever listen to opera, flicked onto the opera channel, and it was hot. It was jamming. I pulled that thing up. It's like, oh. And I looked at him and I said, oh, my goodness. Do you know what just happened? This is the dumbest thing that's ever happened. And we laughed until we cried. And, and then I had to rethink everything we had just done. I thought, wait a minute. Why were those people looking at us that way? Why was everybody staring at us? Because we were walking around with a boombox on us, you know, everywhere we went playing opera. And I know they're thinking, why are those idiots playing opera music in McDonald's? And the, the guy could hear him order if he just turned his phone off. And the whole time, I thought it was them. It was us. 
And I'd have to rethink everything we had just done. That's what this series is all about. It's about rethinking life. Maybe life isn't what we think it is. What if God had this great, big, open, limitless life for you and I to live? What if he had that? So for this series, we, we've hung the infinity symbol. And what we're trying to say is God has this limitless open life he wants us to live. We get the background for this series from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, 2 Corinthians is a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the Corinthian church because although the majority of the church was faithful, a small part of the church had begun to uh, be drug away by false teachers and false teaching. And so when Paul the Apostle wrote them, it seems apparent that they misinterpreted his encouragement as like he was trying to put a limit on them. And, and so what Paul's saying to them is he's saying, hey, you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. I'm not trying to put a limit on you. You're putting a limit on yourself. It's not them, it's us. That's what he's saying. And so I want you to listen this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13, and, and hear it with that background. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. So we're starting a brand new series today called Limitless, and in this series we're going to be talking about rethinking how we live our life. God has this wide open, limitless life for us to live, and he offers it to every one of us. Now I want to show you what's going to be happening in the next three weeks. Next Sunday we're going to talk about limitless faith. And then I'm very excited on May 5th, um, for those of you who are new to Kingwood or maybe haven't been in a while, we have just hired a brand new children's pastor, and they'll also be our outreach pastor, and they're going to be here soon. And on May 5th, Pastor Jason is going to share his story, and you have absolutely got to hear it. I've heard it. It is a powerful story of a changed life, and we're calling that day Limitless Grace. And then in a few weeks, I want to invite you all back to come celebrate Mother's Day with us because Mother's Day is a special day at Kingwood. We, we go a, a long way to really honor ladies. And so we'd love to have all you ladies back and you can kind of drag your husbands or kids or whatever you need to do. But on Mother's Day, Pastor Jason's wife, Corey, is going to be sharing her story that morning and we're going to call that Limitless Peace. So it's going to be a fantastic series. Today we want to focus on Limitless Peace love. So why is God's love limitless? I want to give you three reasons this morning if you want to take these notes down. Number one, God's love is limitless because distance cannot stop his love. Paul the apostle wrote a third to a half of all the books in the New Testament. He was one of Jesus' greatest followers. But... <laughs> Before that, he was a long, long way from God. You might say, 
How far was he? This morning, I want you to just stop for a minute and picture the person that you know who's, who you would say is the furthest away from God. Who do you know that you would think is the furthest away from God? Maybe they, maybe they lie, maybe they steal, maybe they're mean, maybe they don't care, maybe they're selfish, maybe they just live for themselves, maybe, maybe they've uh, proclaimed that I'm an agnostic or I'm an atheist or, or whatever. But I bet you the person that you know who's the furthest away from God isn't as far away from God as Paul was. Let me explain it. Paul was a religious fanatic. You say, wait, I thought he was far away from God. Oh, he was. There's a lot. Religion and close to God's not the same thing. And so, and so he was a religious fanatic, and he would force himself into Christians' homes, and he would drag Christians away for no reason other than being believers. When you find out where they were, he'd drag them away, throw them into prison. Now, men and women alike, not just men, ladies too. He would drag them away and, and throw them into prison. And it is likely that he not only was present, but gave approval for the trial and execution of the first martyr in church history, a man named Stephen. Now listen to how Paul uh, ex- described himself in 1 Timothy 1.13. He said, even though I was once a blasphemer, <laughs> that's, that's pretty bad. That's not neutral. That's I'm against God a persecutor, and a violent man. As far away as he was, though, one day Paul met Jesus, and all of that changed, and Paul became one of the greatest followers of Jesus the world has ever known, and it's because distance cannot stop God's love. Several years ago, uh, a man in our church uh, came to me, he and his wife, and said, Hey, I, our son is a long way away from God, and would you pray for us and pray for him? And I, and I said, Sure, what's, what's going on? And he said, Well, our son has had, had a really hard time, and, um, and, and he's in prison now, and, um, and he's gone as far away from God as he can get. Another, in fact, he won't even have a conversation. He doesn't want to talk to us about Anything to do with God? Nothing. I don't want to talk about it at all. Total, totally, if that's the only thing we're going to talk about, he doesn't want to meet us. And uh, in fact, he's gone so far the other way, he's actually even joined a cult. And he's part of a cult, and he's mixed up with some really rough people. And uh, man, he, he just has absolutely made his mind up, he's done. And so he said, would you pray with us? And yes, I, I'll, I'll pray with you. So a couple of years went by, and uh, they would go and visit uh, Daniel in prison, and they would just try to show him that they loved him and to be there. And I'll never forget, on a Sunday morning like this, right in the middle of a worship service, we were standing and singing, and I was standing right there, and, uh, and he came, that, that father came, and, and I felt a hand on my shoulder, and I didn't know who it was, and I, and I turned around, and it was him, and he said, you'll never guess what happened. And I said, what happened? And he said, Daniel, Daniel got saved, he became a Christian. And I said, and I said What? And, yeah, isn't that great? Isn't that great? And so, and so I, I, just, I just reached out and hugged him, man, and we, we just, I couldn't stop smiling and, and laughing and thinking about, you know, how good God is. That, that distance couldn't stop God's love. Several months later, Daniel got out of prison, and he became part of our church. And, man, he flourished, and he grew. And, unfortunately, Daniel's life was cut short 
by a tragic illness. But one thing I know for sure, he's in heaven today. And you know how I know that? Because distance cannot stop God's love. Maybe this morning you feel kind of far away from God. Maybe you feel like I've done some things or said some things or maybe I don't even believe there is a God. I just want to share with you this morning, I believe if God's love can touch Paul the Apostle and if God's love can touch Daniel, I believe God is here this morning and he wants more than anything to show you he loves you and to close the gap between you and him. Because distance can't stop God's love. Here's the second thing. Difficulties cannot stop his love. You've probably lived long enough by now to realize every day's not Easter. (laughs) Everybody's not always dressed up and nice. Everything doesn't always go right. Everything doesn't always go the way that you hoped or the way that you planned or the way that I planned or hoped. Life can absolutely be tough. And sometimes circumstances just beat us up and make us wonder, is there really anybody out there who cares? Like this cold, cruel world, is there a God? Does it matter? Does he care? Does it matter what I believe? In John chapter 8, there's a story of a woman who must have been asking herself some of those questions. John 8 verse 3, listen, listen to how the Bible explains what happened to her. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, in other words, the religious leaders brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, so they're shaming her, and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, I just want you to think about this for a minute. Caught, like she wasn't caught like she confessed. Like she was caught like she was caught in the act of adultery. That's a pretty embarrassing moment. And so... These leaders drug her from that moment of guilt and put her in front of a bunch of uh, men, religious leaders. And the Bible tells us, if you were to read the rest of the story, that they didn't care about her and they didn't care about morality. They didn't care about what was right and what was wrong and they didn't care about forgiveness. What they cared about is trapping Jesus. That's what they wanted. They wanted to throw Jesus a conundrum that he couldn't get out of, and so they thought, here's here's one now. Now, here's what I want you to know. Jesus didn't go for it. Jesus never condoned what she did, but he refused to reject her. Now, if, if you back up for a minute and just think about this story, a woman in her culture and her times caught in the act of adultery, it just makes me ask, I wonder what circumstances brought her to that point. Like, I wonder wonder what kind of life that she had lived. I wonder what things she had experienced. Had she been abused as a child? Had she been abandoned? Had she been neglected? It was likely a life of rejection and shame, and Jesus wasn't about to add to the pain that she had felt by rejecting her again. So instead, what Jesus did is he showed her God's love, and that's when he said to the religious leaders, hey, whoever of you doesn't have any sin, you throw the first rock. And they just left because they all knew, (laughs) they all knew that they had stuff in their closet. And so they left, and then he looks at the woman and he says, 
Like, where are the people who condemn you? Where, where's your condemnation now? And, and you know, I, I believe maybe there's somebody here this morning, you've just been waiting for someone to come along and say, hey, you're not condemned. Like, what you did is not fatal, and it's not final. And there is a way back for you, and there's a way home for you, and there is a place in God's heart for you. And so Jesus lifted that shame, and he lifted that condemnation, and he lifted that guilt, and he gave her a new beginning. And in fact, he saved her life. They were going to stone her to death. Whether you caused your own difficulties or not, because some of them we cause and some of them we have no control over, they just happen to us, and they're just difficult. And however your difficulties came into your life, I want you to know your difficulties can't stop God's love. Several years ago when, when I was in college, we got this idea that uh, probably you would laugh at it now, but there was this uh, you know, heavy, heavy rock band called Dio, and they were very antagonistic toward Christianity, and they were going to have a big concert close to our college, and several of us students decided we're going to go we're just going to go invade darkness, man. We're just going to go and witness, you know, at a, at a concert. I'm not sure you could do that anymore. You, know, you might cause a riot. I don't know what would happen. But we prayed and fasted, and we went out there. And um, we're, in, we're in central Florida on a hot, humid evening. And I still remember the moment when a buddy of mine and I stood in the wet grass, and we met a man who the doctor told he'd only had a few days to live. And his buddy talked him into going to the concert, his buddy, because he said, hey, man, you're going to die anyway. You know, why don't we just go out with a bang? And I still remember that night when we were sitting there, my friend and I were sitting there talking to him, and he was telling a story to us. And we said, hey, we believe that God sent us here to tell you that regardless of the diagnosis that you've been given, regardless of how hard your life's been, man, God loves you. And, and he sent us to tell you, uh, I, I guess because God knows what's happening to you. And, and his buddy the whole time was going, hey, man, come on, forget these crazy people. Let's just go. And I thought, what kind of friend are you? I mean, this guy's dying. Shouldn't he at least have a chance to hear something? And he was trying to pull him away. And the guy was just paralyzed. He wouldn't leave. He just wanted to hear what we had to say. And I, I remember standing in, in the humid central Florida night thinking, man, man, God's love is big. Somehow God found this guy a few days from death and just didn't want him to leave the earth without knowing that there's a God in heaven who set up a divine appointment because he loves him. Can I tell you, today God has set a divine appointment for some of you because it doesn't matter where you've been or how, how long you've been or wh how far you've been. It doesn't matter how hard your life's been. Sometimes when life's hard, we, we feel rejected by life and unloved. But I want you to know, God set a divine appointment for some of you today to tell you, man, he loves you. And he wants to close the gap between you and him. And he's not going to let even difficulties stop that. So distance can't stop God's love, and difficulties can't stop love, God's love. And here's the third one, and death cannot stop God's love. I, I was a child of the 80s, 
And so um, technology was very different then. So, some, some of you remember this. How many of you remember when you only had one phone? You remember? So come on now. Some of you are there. You had one telephone. And it was plugged into the wall. Right? You, you remember this? And, 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 uh, and it lasted more than two years. You didn't get a new phone every two years. You didn't upgrade. It wasn't no upgrade. They sell you no upgrade. Man, I, I think they were made, you know, by the crew that made the, the World War II weapons. I mean, they weren't going nowhere. Put them in a bomb shelter. And, and, and all of a sudden, um, there was this revolutionary new technology that swept the nation and changed the way we live forever. It's called call waiting. Anybody remember that? Remember that? You got the phone. Beep. Oh, it's a call. Like I'm on a call and I can take another call at the same time. I got two people at one time. Never miss a call again. Some of you have no idea. No idea what I'm talking about. That's all right. And, and then you remember it had that dial on it before you had buttons? Remember the dial? Remember the dial? You just put your finger in and you oh, Lord, don't, don't let there be a lot of nines. Let me know what I'm talking about. Bye 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 right and then you ever get about the sixth number and you dial the wrong number no no gotta start all over that's why that's why I like when I see a teenager on their phone frustrated because you know it won't go it won't it won't connect it's going to space give it a minute you know what I'm saying just chill out. Man, I got a rotary thing here. What are you talking about? It won't go. And, and that phone was set somewhere in public in your house. It couldn't be in no private. You couldn't just talk wherever you wanted, right? It had a, it had a big metal trunk thing on the, on the table in public somewhere. You couldn't just go off wherever you wanted and have a conversation. You had to, like, try to... Because you had this long... Remember this cord that was... The, and it would get balled up every now and then, and you'd go to talk, and you'd pull the whole thing off the table, and it sounded like a school bell ringing when that thing crashed on the ground. You remember that? Clang! Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But you would never think of replacing. You just pick that thing up. Nah, it'd probably be all right. Put that thing back up there. It'd be all right. Yeah, I still got a dial tone. We're good. You'd never think about replacing it. You know why? Because phones would last for years. Man, not now. Oh, no, not now. You know, phones, paper plates, razors. We don't even keep cars that long. They're kind of disposable. But in the temporary world, there are a few things that we know that are final. Like taxes. I don't think they're going away. How many of you think? They're probably not. I hope, I hope that worked out on April 15th for you. But I don't think they're going away. And, and another one of those is death. By this time, most of us have been to enough funerals and we've experienced some kind of loss that we realize that everyone dies and that's it. And that's exactly what the religious leaders thought when Jesus died and they put him in the ground. The troublemaker's gone. And that's exactly what Satan thought 
When Jesus died and they put him in the ground, he thought, we won. And that's exactly what Jesus' followers thought when they put him in the ground and they couldn't believe he breathed his last breath. They had given up uh, 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 homes and, and, and their family and some of them had given up their jobs to follow him and they couldn't believe it and they thought, well, that's it. They put him in the ground. That's exactly what his followers thought. They were discouraged and many of them went back to their old life or went back to what they did before. That's exactly what they all thought. But you know what? On Easter Sunday morning 2,000 years ago, an angel came and rolled the stone away and God's presence raised Jesus back from the dead. Resurrected him. Look, I'm a simple person. You know the reason that I've given my whole life to Jesus? Like I've staked everything I got on it. Everything. You know why? Because he's the only leader in world history who's ever come back from the dead. And here's my theory. Here's my theory. A person who comes back from the dead is probably going the right direction and probably worth following. That's just a theory, though. It's just a theory. (laughs) Why did Jesus... Here's the question for us this morning, though. Why? 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 Why all, the, why all the show? Why all the display of power? Why, why? Why defy human history and world history by bringing a religious leader to earth and then bringing them back from the... Why? Why? Because even death could not stop the love of God. God's love was his motivation to display his power and say... I want this word to be final. Nothing can separate you. Nothing will prevent God's love from finding you. Do you remember, remember the guy we talked about a few minutes ago, Paul the Apostle, who wrote to the Corinthian church, who was the blasphemer and the persecutor and the hater and all that? Well, after he became a Christian and after he followed Jesus for a little while, he tried to describe what he experienced. He tried to describe the new life that he felt and he tried to describe God's love. And listen to this in Romans chapter 8, 38. Paul the Apostle says, for I am convinced. Oh man, my mind's made up. Because I, I know what I was and I know what I am now. That neither death nor life nor angels, nor the bad angels, demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, no government, no council, no legislation, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. You'll never find anything that will be able to separate us from what? From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Never. Isn't that good? Never. Now that comes straight from a person who knew what he was talking about. Boy, it sounded kind of like Janda's story this morning you heard on video. And I was doing some things my parents weren't very proud of. Thought my life was over. 
But God found me because he loved me. Jesus' death wasn't final, and neither is yours. Because one day, you're going to leave this life, and you're either going to spend eternity with God, or you're going to spend eternity separated from God forever. And that's the end. And, and God doesn't want it that way. So this morning, there are really only two choices. Either Jesus is still dead, and he's just like every other person that ever lived, or he's not, and he's alive. And if Jesus is alive, then that means he's in this room. And if he's in this room, that means he's speaking to our hearts about his love for us. And so that's the choice this morning. Living a limitless life starts by having a real relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, that's my question for you. Do you have, do you have a real relationship with Jesus? I mean, do you, do you really know that God's forgiven you? Do you really know where you're going to go when you leave this world? Do you really know the peace and the joy and the love that Jesus died and resurrected to give you? I'm convinced that God's love will cross any and every barrier to show you talk to you, to hear you, to see you, to know you, because I'm convinced that's what God does. He's never going to change his mind. He's going to love you until the very last day of your life. So I'm going to ask you this morning if you just stand with me, and if you'd find a place you could just be quiet and be still, if you'd just close your eyes and open your heart right where you are. It's very simple this morning. God just simply loves you. And more than anything else, He wants a relationship with you. So with your eyes closed and your heart open, today if you say, you know, I don't know, if I'm honest, if I have a real relationship with Jesus or not. But today, I would like to start a real relationship with Jesus. Or, or maybe you say, at some point in my life, my life, I've had a relationship with Jesus, but I just don't know where I stand today. Today, I would like to start over. I'd like to start a new, restart a relationship with Jesus, a real one. This is the most important moment of all of Easter. With nobody looking around and nobody moving. Today, if you'd like, if you'd like prayer, if you'd say, I, I would, I'd like to start a real relationship with Jesus today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to sign up for anything. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. Just heart to heart. Just me and you talking.
just going to ask you to lift your hand and say, today, I really do. I want to start a new relationship with Jesus. Wherever you are, would you just lift your hand? Nobody's looking but me. Would you just lift your hand and say, today, I, I want to do that. I want to, I want to begin again. Would you just lift your hand and let me see it? Just lift your hand up so I can see it. Just lift your hand up. Today's the day. I know Jesus is talking to me. And I know God has a plan for my life. I want to start. I want to start over. I need forgiveness. I need to, like that lady you talked about, man, I need to have that lifted off my life. I'm just looking across the floor. If you want to lift your hand, go ahead and lift your hand now. Let me see it. looking in the balcony you want to raise your hand today and say I, I need Jesus to help me today I want to start, I want to have a real relationship with Jesus would you just lift your hand let me see it this morning here's what, what I also want to say to you some of you have come to this place and if you're honest boy everything's bright and nice today and exciting but if you were to tell the truth what you'd have to say is man I'm hurting like inside my heart I'm really hurting I'm facing some limitations in my life an addiction a sickness a circumstance that I don't know how to control a wound a marriage problem maybe you're a teenager and you say I don't know how this is going to work out with my parents. But man, I'm facing this limitation in my life. And um, today, I need God's help. Would you, just be, would you just be that honest today to say, today I just need God's help? Man, if that's you, would you just lift your hand? Let me see it. Today, I'm, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yes, middle, the side, the very back. Yeah, the back. You in the front, yeah, the very front, thank you. Yeah, just lift your hand. Say, if I'm honest, man, today, thank you. I just need God's help. It's okay. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nothing like that. I've been where you are. I know how it feels. Anybody in the balcony? Just looking across the balcony now. Man, I just need, need prayer today. I need prayer today. I need help. I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'd go ahead and get into place. Here's what I want to do. If you need prayer this morning, uh, we're going to have prayer team in the balcony. We're going to have prayer team here on the floor. And if you need prayer today, I, I can't think of a better way to celebrate Jesus' resurrection than just to lean in on Him for a minute, depend on Him. I'm going to pray, and the worship team's going to begin to sing. And when we do, if you lifted your hand, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus or you just need God's help today, man, I want you to find one of our prayer team and let them pray for you. Lord, I thank you today that your goodness and grace is all over this place. God, I thank you that as you are moving in this room, your love is surrounding us and helping us and reaching us. So if you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. I want you to just, if you lifted your hand, open your eyes and find someone on the prayer team and just begin to move toward them in the balcony here, in the balcony here, the front here. As the worship team begins to sing, 
I want you to come now. Let us pray for you.